This morning, we're going to continue in our sermon series, The Parables of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, the parable. Uh, some some um, scholars say the parable of the virgins, but I like to say the parable of the bridesmaids. A lot of times when, when we hear the word virgin, we, we already focus on that word, and it's not re- the focus is not really on virgins, okay? The, and so it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids, all right? And so... Listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking, and he's telling an earthly story with a heavenly concept. And so here we go. Jesus is telling this story. Listen carefully to what Jesus says, beginning in verse 1. He says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five Of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give me some of your oil, my lamp is going out. And they said, No, no, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. And then the wise bridesmaids say this to them, Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. And then it says, Those virgins, those bridesmaids who were ready, went in with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, let us open the door and let us in. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. And then Jesus summarizes this parable with with this very important verse here. He says this. He says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Jesus uses this very familiar example, this very familiar story of a wedding to teach a heavenly concept. Now, the marriage customs of their day were very different. The marriage customs of the Middle East are very, very different from a wedding that you might experience here in Hawaii today. A wedding in the Middle East usually starts with the groom and some of his best friends. They would go to the bride's home, and then some ceremonies would take place. Then after these ceremonies, something interesting happens. The the bride and the groom, they lead this procession 
down the streets in the town that they live in. It's kind of like a mini parade. And people would be on the streets and they would cheer them on and they would say, congratulations. And sometimes this procession, this mini parade would take a long time. It all depended on how far the bride lived from the groom. And it also depended on how stoked the, uh, the groom was and, and how many streets he wanted to go down and take detours. And then, and then they would arrive at the groom's home and there, usually late into the evening, everyone, the guests, would have their lamps and their torches and they would light the path. And then it would be interesting because it was assumed that everyone had their own lamp. Everyone had their own torch. In fact, if you did not have a lamp, it was assumed that you were probably a party crasher or maybe even a bandit or a thief that, were gonna, that was going to try and jump them and steal their jewels and, and um, their gifts. And so it's very significant that these five foolish bridesmaids didn't have oil for their lamps. It was a big deal. Now, let me try and retell this parable in a modern context, in a, in a Hawaii kind of wedding kind of way. And so imagine that we all attend this wedding at, at Waimea Bay. And imagine that uh, this is a beautiful day. It's late in the afternoon. And, and of course, yours truly is performing the wedding, right? And so, we, th so this wedding is, goes off without a hitch. It's beautiful. And then the bride and groom, they rush off with the limousine and the photographer. And they go and take pictures all over the North Shore. While the wedding party and all of us guests, we make our way to the wedding reception in Waikiki at the grand ballroom of Hilton Hawaiian Village. And so it's a long drive, right? And so, and so as guests arrive at the grand ballroom, this is what they're told. They're like, we're going to do something very special. So listen carefully, guests. This is what you're going to do. When the bride and groom arrive, we're going to turn off all of the lights to the grand ballroom. And I'm going to ask every, we're going to ask everyone to um, bring out their cell phone flashlights. And we're going to do this. And we're going to light up that ballroom. And it's going to be real, oh, wrong way. And it's going to be really cool if I can get it right. And it's going to be really cool. And so be prepared. Be ready. All right? Be ready. And so the bridesmaids, they're they're at the lobby of the Hilton Hawaiian Village and they're waiting on the limousine. And of course, it's because of photographers that they're delayed because they need the perfect lighting and all of this. And then there's traffic. And so they're super de delayed. And so it's late into the evening. And so the bridesmaids, they're all hanging out in the lobby and they're um, just checking Facebook, checking all the live feeds on Facebook, and, and the, they like and comment and share, and, they, and, and so they're just enjoying Instagram and Facebook. And then it's been a long day, so they kind of doze off as they wait and wait and wait some more. And finally, all ten bridesmaids are surprised, and they get this group text, and it says, the newlyweds are getting ready to exit the freeway, guys. And so the bridesmaids, they all look at their phone and they freak out because their phones look like this. 
Oh man, too much Facebook, too much Instagram. But guess what? The five uh, bridesmaids that were wise, they're like, they bust out there. You got mine's is kind of big. <laughs> you guys have big ones like this. This is called an external charger. Mine's is huge. It's, uh, it's probably, uh, <laughs> you guys thought it's probably much smaller than this. And so the five bridesmaids, they, the, the wise bridesmaids, they plug in. And so their phone is charging. And the foolish bridesmaids, say, they say to the five bridesmaids, Hey, sister, I like borrow, bro. I like, I like, some, I like some juice. And then the, the wise bridesmaid said, Oh, sister, no can. Might not have enough for us. But you know what? You try go and go shopping. Radio Shacks, I think they might have this, bruh. And so they go off. They go off shopping. And as they go off shopping for, for uh, an external charger, the limousine arrives. And all the lights are turned down in the hotel grand ballroom. And the wise bridesmaids look at their phone and they smile. And then the MC announces, Ladies and gentlemen, would you all stand? I have the pleasure of presenting to you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. Newlyweds. And everyone turns on their, am I doing it right? Their flashlights. And the whole room looks stunning. It's a chicken skin kind of moment. And then the door closes and the party begins. There's like ono grinds. There's a, a garter toss. There's a bouquet toss. There's cake cutting. There's the father-daughter dance. And then everyone starts to go to the dance floor and they start to boogie and the music is up and pumping. And, and, and so you notice, hey, that looks like my pastor on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Watch me whip. Watch me nene. Watch me whip, whip. Watch me nene. I, I had to really practice for that one, guys. So give me a hand. <laughs> and so, and so, and so everybody's dancing, enjoying their time. And then finally, the five foolish bridesmaids arrived and they're their, their phones are now charged up and they pound on the door and then what they're told is hey, this is a wedding uh, this is a private wedding party we don't know you go away and they miss the entire party they miss the entire party and then Jesus says this as the summary of this parable he says therefore keep watch or be prepared, be ready, because you do not know the day or the hour. And so there's this wise group of bridesmaids and this foolish group of bridesmaids. And all us Christians, we like to identify ourselves as part of the wise group. And rightly so, we should probably be identified as part of the wise group. But I find that it, it's actually uh, a little bit more useful if I identify myself as part of the foolish group. 
Because if I identify myself as the part of the wise group, all it does is makes me feel good about myself. It increases my self-esteem. And then this parable really does nothing else for me. But when I identify myself as part of the foolish group, then guess what? The power of this parable has the opportunity to disturb me, to provoke me, to challenge me. You see, if we are here and heaven is there, sometimes in our journey from here to there, we get sidetracked. We lose focus. We grow weary. We lose heart. And we become sloppy and careless. And we become unprepared. Unprepared. And the parable is meant to challenge and to provoke and to disturb us. To make us pause and check the internal compass of our heart. It's meant to Give us an opportunity to make course adjustments as we journey from here to there. And so this parable is meant to rattle our cages. It's meant to shake us up. And the strong message of this parable is this. Be prepared. Be ready. The summer of 2014 was kind of um, exciting for my family. We all went to Disneyland, and so here's a picture of us at Disneyland. Really fun. We had a great time. This is my wife Imelda, my sister Suzanne, and uh, my brother-in-law Carrie. And um, between them is is their um, their kids, twins. They're, they just made four years old at this time. This is Abigail and Matthew. And uh, we planned this Disneyland trip like over a year before we went. You'll be uh, proud of me, man. Over a year before we went, we planned this trip. But, we, but my sister intentionally did not tell the twins about this trip to Disneyland until one week before we were to leave. Because she knew that the twins would bug her to no end. And so one week before we were to leave for Disneyland, Mom and dad sits them down and says, guess what? We're going to Disneyland. And sure enough, the twins bug mom and dad to no end. Every single morning, Abigail would make sure that she got her suitcase. And this is the actual suitcase that she brought with her to Disneyland. Every single morning, I kid you not, she would take the suitcase and rearrange it and make sure that she was prepared and ready. And so she, she made sure she had her Bear Bear. She always has to sleep with Bear Bear. She made sure that she had her princess dress, her frozen dress. Frozen was huge at that time. And then she made sure she had her, her princess slippers. Yep, princess slippers. And she made sure she had her princess tiara. Every morning, she would rearrange her suitcase, make sure she was prepared. And ready. And then she would run downstairs and she'd say, Mommy, Mommy, today, today we go Disneyland? And then Mommy would have to say, No, Abby, not today, not today. And then Matthew, he would have his suitcase too. This is the actual suitcase. Isn't this cool? I love this suitcase. It's a, it's a car suitcase. 
And every morning he'd wake up and he would rearrange his suitcase, make sure that he's prepared and ready. Oh, this one is harder. Oh, it's a trick to it. Okay, here. And he would make sure he had Bear Bear. <laughs> he, he sleeps with Bear Bear too. And so Bear Bear, he makes sure he had his, I don't know what this is. This is like, I think a, yeah, I, yeah, Star Wars maybe. Yeah, so he always loved, he loved his Legos. And you know, at, um, in Disneyland, there's a Lego um, town or what, whatever. Um, yeah, so he always made sure he has his Lego. And then he, he always makes sure he has his Yankees hat. I actually, I actually was going to bring, I actually brought a cowboy's hat just to uh, bless my friend here, Doug, but he didn't have this at that time, so it was a Yankees hat. And so he'd make sure every, every morning for an entire week, he would rearrange his suitcase, make sure he's prepared and ready. And then he would run downstairs and he'd say, Mommy, Daddy, today, today we go Disneyland? And then, and then Mommy and Daddy would say, Matthew, no, no, not today. But the question I have is, why don't we have that kind of childlike passion, that kind of childlike excitement, that kind of childlike energy and enthusiasm for the day when Jesus comes again? Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, today, today Jesus comes again? Let me check the suitcase. Let me check the suitcase of my heart and let me see if I'm prepared. Any of you do that? I don't. But I'm guessing that maybe we should, right? Maybe we should. There was one person in the Bible that had that kind of energy, that kind of passion, that kind of excitement for when the day Jesus comes again. And listen carefully to the Apostle Paul. He says this, Listen to his energy as he, he, uh, as, he, as he writes Philippians chapter 1, 21 to 24. He writes, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. You see, the Apostle Paul, he can't wait to be with Jesus. And he thinks about Jesus all the time. His heart is always yearning for the day when he will see Jesus face to face. And so I ask myself, why don't I have that kind of passion, that kind of energy, that kind of excitement, that kind of enthusiasm for the day when Jesus comes again? And I've been reflecting on that. And I think for me, to be honest, I'm too attached to this life. I'm too invested in the present world. I'm too distracted with the comforts and the pleasures of life. I'm too preoccupied with the here that sometimes I forget about the there. I forget that as a Christian, I have something far better to look forward to. For the Christian, I forget that this 
here is not my true home. You see, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You see, life on earth is temporary for all of us, and this is not our true home. And so if this is not our true home, then where is home? Every one of us is a citizen of some country, and for most of us, we're a citizen of the United States of America. And every one of us has an address and for most of us, our address is either Eva Beach, Hawaii, 96706, or Kapolei, Hawaii, 96707. But that's all temporary. For the believer, our permanent address is heaven. Our permanent citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is our true home. Think of all the ways that Jesus could have described heaven. But check out how, how Jesus describes heaven in John chapter 14. He says this. Jesus says, In my Father's house, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, for you, then I will come again to receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. Think of all the ways that Jesus could have described heaven. He could have talked about the pearly gates, the streets of gold, the crystal sea, the host of angels. But Jesus instead wanted his followers to know that, that heaven was first and foremost home. In my Father's house are many mansions. Do you hunger and thirst for that heavenly home? Do you long for home? Sometimes I look at the injustice and the evil that's happening in our world, and I long for home. When I look at our election cycle, I, I long for home. When I visit a third world country and there's human trafficking and I, when I see children that's starving and I come back to, uh, come back to America and, and our plates are half, uh, half eaten and we throw away the rest, uh, I just can't help but long for home. When I see domestic violence, I, I just can't help but long for home. Do you long for home? Church, Please don't forget that we have a hope beyond this world. The Lord has promised us a place that we can call home. A place where there is no more injustice, no more human trafficking, no more racism and violence, no more greed, no more hungry children, no more pain and brokenness, 
but joy forevermore. Listen to what Philippians 3.20 says. It says this. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps God's word for us today through this parable is this. Be careful. Don't be so attached to this life. Don't be so invested in this world. Don't be so distracted by the here and now. Don't be so preoccupied with the comforts and the pleasures of this life. Don't become sloppy. Don't become careless and carefree. Don't become unprepared. And I I think the key is this, to make sure that the internal compass of our heart is pointed there. To make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him as you eagerly wait for the Lord, the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful week and uh, enjoy some refreshments with us. God bless you.